Welcome to RPG Ramblings. This is normally a weekly show exploring the various details of the tabletop RPG hobby through discussions with interesting people. Unfortunately, I come alone. Life's been a little crazy uh, between uh, fretting my time away with with uh, disc golfing and then the uh, demands of Kickstarters. I uh, got a little bit behind. Well, I am a little bit behind. And I'm in a bit of a hole, but not too terrible of a hole. It's viewable. The edge is viewable. Uh, the end is, uh, well, there is no end. But anyhow, enough of that. So in lieu of actually having a, uh, a guest on, which would be would be reasonable, but it takes about, if I have somebody on as a guest, it generally takes me with little settings I do, about four to five hours of my time. So it still will take me probably for this podcast uh, two hours, but it's a lot shorter. And um, anywho, that's the way it is. Not to complain, but just to realize that uh, with a Kickstarter coming up uh, right now, Gary's Appendix Four is uh, is in full full bloom, uh, full whatever the the term is, and it's doing pretty well. It's doing as well as Gary Appendix Three. Um, as always, when it comes down to uh, comparing how it actually seems to be aligned very much with Gary's Appendix 3. So you start looking at number of people from each issue, number of backers versus uh, the amount raised. It seems like it's pretty well stable. It's kind of hard when you start putting out um, Kickstarters as often as I've been doing. Um, It's hard to know how many people are um, saying, you know what, Um, five Kickstarters is, uh, is too much. Even though they're not all Gary's appendix, it's three of three a year. So, uh, but looking at the mix, I generally do have a fair number of new people coming on. So, um, with each one. So, anyway, it's it's always uh, every Kickstarter is something to think about, to learn, uh, to contemplate, and uh, uh, and this one's no different. Um, working on uh, actually, what's kind of got me a little bit behind is I have. Gary's Appendix 5, uh, I decided, needs to go to uh, in February for Zine Quest because that's the one that's closest to being completed. Well, I say close to being completed. The one that's uh, most likely to be completed. Uh, I've already started working on the bestiary. I have one bestiary that um, item that, that was taken out of Gary's Appendix uh, 4 because Gary's Appendix 4... I had so many articles and so many words uh, that I took out a bestiary item because I ran a page count. So I believe it's about 15,000 words for for that for 48 pages. So, uh, I, boy, you're going to get your money's worth. Uh, the dollar or the, the, uh, the, the uh, amount spent per word is not going to be better. Uh, it's going to be the best for, for all you backers. So uh, actually, there's a lot of it's a sword and sorcery themed issue, as probably most of you know. But, boy, I'm... Pretty excited about it. It's it's a very 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 fun uh, issue. They're all you know they all have their high points, but I think the the theme with the number of things that people have submitted, um, it's pretty exciting. So anyway, uh, Gary's Appendix Five is will be coming out in February, so that really only gives me December to really get all the articles in. Um, hopefully, uh, art ordered. Then it gives me a month to put everything together. And then it gives me uh, in time for February for Kickstarter. Now, obviously, I'm not going to get everything in by the end of the month. Maybe I can. I actually have two articles in already uh, uh, that have been submitted. So, 
But anywho, uh, anyway, it's a tight schedule. I usually try and get my Kickstarters to be completed by the time I kickstart. So Gary's Appendix 4, which I kickstarted, started in end of November. Um, as of right now, it's still going on. I just ordered my proof copies earlier this week. And um, so it's actually, uh, it's pretty much on time. Uh, well, it's pretty much on, it is on time. So uh, no worries there. So Gary's Appendix 5 will be in February, uh, looking at um, doing Journey to the Madlands, which is another item that from the days uh, from actually my second Kickstarter uh, three years ago, I ran Journey to the Madlands, a uh, post-apocalyptic um, zine. And uh, anyway, that was more of a, a number of people writing. This one is is just... Uh, it's it's completely well. No, it's not true. Um, I have the uh, um, I've added uh, Stefan Surratt uh, to the um, uh, to the mix, so he'll be adding. He's got adventure in there, and then I'm also having him write the uh, uh, write a location. So um, we should hopefully have all the writing done with that uh, in the end of the month. And then I also have all the layout done. Most of well, I have a lot of the layout already completed, but I just need to order art. So uh, that one's on track. I also scoundrels of Brixton three. Uh, Adam Kovac is hard at work, so uh, we'll slot that in. Uh, the Adam makes it so easy because um, uh, he does such a good job writing. I I have the hard part of. Uh, of um, of simply just uh, trying to get the words to uh, fit in a way that looks uh, really nice on the page, but uh, so and then I also have uh, other other stuff in development, so um, which I'm trying to get uh, done. So who knows? Maybe I'll have some adventures written this year uh, that will go to Kickstarter. Um, maybe a uh, a refurbish, a reimagination, reimagining a a uh, repurposing of an old product uh, for a new system, which I'm very excited about. And, um, and also uh, working on an RPG, a sci-fi RPG, uh, very, very, very early stages. So who knows what will come of that? So anywho, uh, enough of my, uh, my nonsense. Um, well, actually my personal nonsense, not to talk about the nonsense that was uh, game hole con. So um, this is not intended to be a, uh, wow, Game Hole Con was so fun. Uh, too bad you didn't get to go. How sad. Um, that's not intended. Uh, really what I'm looking at is uh, going to the Game Hole Con, going to conventions. Uh, I tend to go there with, hopefully, with open eyes. And I have experiences. And I I try and learn things, uh, try to come away with uh, new relationships. Um, and... Um, also playing game systems, it, it helps me to, um, I guess, it, 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 to me, rather than just playing games, it, it offers a whole, a, a whole slew of opportunities to, uh, to advance the, my craft and uh, expand out my, my horizons. So anyway, first, uh, the first game, and, and the stuff I've, I, I like to play different games for different reasons, but the very first game I played in was Luau Lu's uh, The Dare Luck Club. So Lou's got this, uh, this uh, it's not really kids on bike, but it's, it's, it's a kids on bike game. Uh, he, uh, it's, it's been out for a while. It is a, it's, it is really modeled after, um, and, 
you can correct me, uh, but it, it seems to be modeled after more like the eighties uh, style of, of games. Um, it's not, I've not played um, Tales from the Loop. It didn't really seem like that. Um, it um, it really is more like the replaying the uh, like Gremlins and um, and uh, various uh, games where kids are involved in situations that kind of go sideways, and there's an element of danger to it. Um, so the one we played was, uh, I guess, in some ways uh, reminiscent of. Gremlins, uh, but that wasn't uh, it. Wasn't the main thing behind it? There was something else going on. But um, and what was also interesting is it um, ended up being a TPK. <laughs> uh, all the kids died. Uh, the funny thing is, I, I it was the very first game. So uh, of all the slots uh, that were available to me, so whenever you go to get a uh, register for a game on GameholeCon. Uh, it opens on a Saturday and at noon, and um, you put stuff in your basket, things that you want looking at at signing up for. But what happens is once the clock hits, uh, once right after it hits 11.59 a.m., <clears throat> that server, like, locks up. Uh, well, I say locks up. It goes very slow because there's thousands of people hitting it at the exact same moment. And so if you're going to GameHoCon, you've not done before, your, your best bet, your best bet, the, the advice I give is pick two games that you know you want more than anything else to play. More than anything else, pick those. And then, and then pick kind of different paths where you have alternates that you, you, can, you can switch over to. So for me, uh, the one, number one was the Derelict Club uh, with Luau Lu. Uh, that was the first one I picked. Um, I got basically the first two picks the, the uh, without a problem. Then after that, it was it was alternate choices, which was fine. But I wanted to pick Lou. Uh, I've, I've I've met. We spent a little bit of time in Gamehole Con, uh, not Gamehole Con, Gen Con. Um, we went to to dinner together. Um, I haven't spent as much time with Lou as I'd like, but just an absolutely amazing guy. Uh, a lot of energy, and I thought, you know, if one thing I really want is to be in one of Lou's games. And so I I, I picked uh, his game that was scheduled for uh, Thursday morning at 9 a.m. And uh, unfortunately for, for Lou, I was the only one who signed up. So he waited and waited. We waited for a bit, and uh, very apologetic, uh, but... Actually, I don't necessarily go to these conventions that I, I was happy to be in a game with Lou that Lou was running and actually play in a game system that he designed. So as far as I was concerned, it, there was no downside uh, to this. And, uh, and so it was very, very interesting. So the characters, um, Let's see if I can remember properly. It's been a while. So it's a very flight system, and each character has a set number of D4s, D6s, D8s that they can roll. And uh, it goes up to D10s. You go past that. And you can only roll those so many times, and then you cannot uh, use any more of those, that dice set, I say dice set, dice type, until... 
you've used up all the slots that were available, then they all reset. And characters have uh, have stats, and those stats are uh, the number of dice they can use. So if it's a you know if it's I can't remember the stats, but say let's say for instance it's it's strength of three, which I can't remember strength, but or two is probably most common. You can um, if if you decided to use d sixes, uh, you'd roll two d sixes, and so um, the so it was both a uh, trying to determine uh, what was interesting about it is that you you had some choice into uh, padding your success. So you know if you wanted to use a d10, you were more likely to succeed. Um, but you had to. But if you use all your high dice and they're early on, uh, you're, at the end you're stuck with the low dice. And the GM also had the uh, had a similar system for for the NPCs. So um, yeah, it was a very fun game. Uh, it was um, of course in my mind. I start thinking about other genres to use or how to use it. Uh, but but Lou's very happy with uh, with the system. Um, being just what it is, and uh, and I thought it was a I was really impressed with the elegance of the mechanic. Um, you know, long term, statistically sound. I don't know, but it really did a good job of of uh, being a system that was cognitively uh, easy to access. It played fast at the table. It seemed like there was a bit more cognitive load than. For the GM than I would care for as a GM, uh, but then again, maybe I got used to it. It, it wouldn't be a problem, but um, but it wasn't like overly complicated. It's just um, it was just that um, it seemed like there's a little more work on his side. And each character had like a you know they had a few little details they could do, little superpowers they could do, a couple little uh, problems that they would uh, they would exhibit. And they also would be uh, what's also nice is you get to pick um, your um, Equipment, so to speak, um, package deals, so to speak, and then you would utilize those items to be able to justify using skills in certain ways. So anyway, when I say skills, it really wasn't skills. It was like, like I can't remember, like panache and and cleverness, or I I can't remember the, the stats. But um, anyway, um, well worth looking at if you're looking for a new system. If you're looking for a a um, a um, game where it's it's the kids on bikes um really much i would recommend checking out the derelict club by lou alu and so uh then i played at three o'clock i played the tower of the black pearl which was my very first markborg nurkburg uh adventure ever played in ever 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 um the the thing was um I was pretty shocked. Well, I was shocked. It was um, so. It's really a D twenty system, and characters were probably more vulnerable than they generally are with OSE, uh, with low hit points. Um, the The system was pretty deadly um, by design, but was I thought in. And I forget what the target number was for most D20s, but it was simply just, I, th- I believe, a ro- if I recall correctly, a rollover system. So um, it, um, mechanically speaking, I, I can't say there was anything that was um, innovative, innovative, innovative. 
Um, but I will say the the what I really enjoyed about it and what I came up with was the magic items that the characters had. When I say magic items, they they some were also not magic. They're just like poisons. So and they were often very powerful. And so I found the combination of having super squishy characters with potentially powerful items that were not necessarily, um, uh, they weren't necessarily like standard magic items or standard spells, but, um, but it could be like a very, uh, very strong poison or, or whatnot. So it, it allowed characters to, um, or I guess we reward characters who are clever uh, and being able to utilize those magics to their benefit um, as a reward, um, which I thought was fun. So, I mean, it, you know, not that I recommend this, but, you know, it's it's not the same, but you imagine like, well, what would happen if you give a first level character a, a Holy Avenger or a, uh, or a Vorpal Sword um, or a, a wand of, of, uh, of, of uh, fireballs or something like that. So it, 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 they weren't that degree of being overpowered, uh, and they also a lot of times required more thought. But, but the idea was very, very squishy people with just a, with just a few hit points uh, also having sometimes items that were, were very powerful. Um, yeah, I, 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 that was, that had some takeaways from that that were, were good. Um, don't I would I would play another Morkborg game, but I don't think I'd ever care to run it. And I don't know that I was necessarily in love with the setting or the system, uh, but I definitely would not hesitate to ever play uh, a Morkborg game at a con. The other thing I found out was uh, I come to realize that um, so I have undiagnosed ADD. So don't know that's true, but it seems that's what I have. And I noticed that with the room, with conventions, uh, some of the rooms are very noisy. And this room was very noisy. And I find that at, through this whole uh, convention that if it's noisy, I have a hard time uh, hearing. If I have a hard time hearing, I have a hard time paying attention. If I have a hard time paying attention, I feel drained at the end of the session. And so, because um, I would I would come out of these sometimes worn out and tired, and then I would go and see somebody, and all of a sudden my energy level would go back up. So I think that... I cannot fix that, but I have noticed that I, I've wondered why sometimes during conventions I have a hard time paying attention, and um, and I thought it was for different reasons, but I'm, it's it's the noise level, uh, and I found with games at a higher noise level problem and games with low noise level no problem. So um, anyway, if you're at a con and you find yourself in a similar situation, realize that um, man, sometimes those rooms can make the difference between making it it easy. Uh, to pay attention or not. So uh, that night I had dinner with Trevor Stamper and a couple of his friends. He's at groupies. I did not realize that Trevor Stamper has groupies. He has people that travel from other states to come and hang with him. So anyway, I got to be a groupie with uh, for Trevor. Uh, absolutely, <laughs> absolutely delight. Uh, time with Trevor and his friends, you uh, can't beat that. So anyhow, great hangout, great food. Um, but as an old man, uh, I think I was in bed before 10. So Friday, <clears throat> don't remember the fellow's name. It's Andrew. I forget his last name. But he ran a Villains and Vigilantes game that um, it was a time travel game, and uh, there were three parts. 
And I've, it's taken me like five years to play all three of them due to COVID and, and different things. Um, and yeah, it's, it's definitely the, his games um, were absolutely a highlight. He makes star frontiers with, uh, if you imagine an acid trip and then combine it with uh, villains, vigilantes, uh, then that's what you got. Um, and now it's over, kind of bittersweet. You know, I've, I've, I've fulfilled my quest. So, um, and Andrew is such a, a wonderful guy. Um, but anyway, Vill- Villains of Vigilantes by Jeff D. Uh, the, as the game we played, it was the original, not the, uh, not the more, uh, not the newest version. Um, it's, it, it, it it's playable as is. Um, you know, the character sheet, the way to the character sheet, yeah, it's just, um, uh, he didn't use the villain's vaginist character sheet, just did like a word doc and it was, it was kind of messy, a little bit confusing. Uh, I, you know, so some of the, it does appear that villains, that the game does suffer from age. Um, what is interesting, I got to peek behind the curtain was that, that they have like saving throws, but the, Kind of like saving throws, but the saving throws are based on the character type that you are, which was uh, I when I saw it, I was really, 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 really fascinated. So it's you know, if you're a fire, if you're an elemental type person, maybe you your saving throws for different things are one way. If you're a brick, they're another way. And and I and I and it made me realize that um, you know both the the modeling after uh, Dungeons and Dragons, and also the um, and also the the breakaway. You know, you can see those things both breaking away from the Dungeons and Dragons model, but also the ways it embraced it. Uh, but we're talking like early or late seventies, so um, this is like you know, this is people inventing. This is this is this was new technology at the time. So. Um, there are some things I believe that the newer version cleans up, um, and, um, and and I think one of the things is movement, as was mentioned, is is kind of jacked up in there. And there's a number of things that have streamlined, uh, but the GM chose not to use the the newer version, which is fine. Um, but I will say that um, I don't know that I would pick up uh, for myself uh, villains of vigilantes, but. Um, but you know what? Um, I would never not play a game if somebody offered to run a villains and vigilantes game uh, at a home group. So, uh, my goodness, it was it was a lot of fun. Uh, D twenty, um, yeah, a lot of fun, a lot of fun. The then then at the afternoon there's uh there's this Ragnarok game. On the order of the stag, it's the Ragnarok RPG. It uses runes, rune, runes, not ruins, runes, um, and not to be. Um, it was. It, I don't know how to describe it. If you if you see the books, are beautiful. I had in times past uh, determined, having seen it, I was very tempted to purchase the uh, books last year. And I, I, you know, I'm, I can be impulsive. I just, you know, generally if I feel an impulse, it'll just back away. Um, and I don't feel that same way after, after a few hours and then we're okay. 
So I, you know, made my saving throw, made my saving throw. And, but, but this, the system uh, and the books were on my mind um, when, before I went to game hole con and I, I vowed to myself, um, I will not buy those books. Will not buy those books. Um, got there. And then I got done playing the villains and vigilantes game. And I looked at the next game and it was order the stag, the Ragnarok RPG forgot that I signed up for it. It was just one of those things where I, you know, one of the games I was wanting to play, but I couldn't remember. It's been such a long time. And I don't, as far as looking ahead, I, I, I didn't. And so ran that game, we played in that game, uh, which is a Viking ish Celtic ish. It's some ways kind of reminds me of uh, it's, it's the Ragnarok has happened. The, the apocalypse is occurring and it's there's a mishmash of kind of like with uh, with uh, uh, kind of like with the Hyborian Age where you have like different civilizations sort of mashed together at the same time. So I mean, I believe there, if I recall correctly, there's like there's there's different different medieval periods people kind of together in a way that probably doesn't make sense in a real world, uh, but. It's okay. It works out. It's there's nobody you know worried that there's you know these people from really that are from different periods of medieval and pre-medieval uh, time periods is coexisting. But anywho, um, it had a very innovative, innovative. I'm stuck on that word. Innovative system. It um, uses runes, and so the there's different colors. Uh, there's like I think three different colors, and then you have a sheet. And you have things that you can do, but it's the 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 runes uh, power the activities, and then there's clever things you can do with uh, linking runes together. They also represent the amount of actions you can do. So if you're wanting to run, you you're going to spend a rune to do that. Some things require the same color rune. Uh, some don't. Some require the same uh, insignias on the rune. Some don't, and um, so. Combat is it it's it's a it it was a it was not an intuitive system, but I will say that we'll compare it to 5e. I think it it had the same level of complexity as uh, I said 5e. Three of uh, three or three point five of D and D. I mean that same level of complexity. Um but it was once you once one started to understand how things worked, um, it was not it was not difficult to work through. Um, so it, even though there was the complexity with the characters and the things they could do, it d- didn't feel burdensome like it as much as it was with a three point five. You've not played it, and all of a sudden you're playing a, a third level character, and you're just like bewildered by feats and this and that and this and that. It, it was, at least with the character sheet, uh, it was very logically, the, the ones that we had were very, it was very logically laid out. And the game was set up to, uh, to play um, where you don't, there's different levels of complexity. You don't, one does not have to use all those levels of complexity. So, uh, Absolutely fun. Magic system was fun. Um, it allowed a lot of flexibility. 
Um, the drawing of using the, the runes both represent your ability to do actions, also represent hit points. And as you as you advanced in levels, uh, so to speak, you could make choices of more things you could do or more runes to add to your bag. Uh, because what would happen is that these these runes would would get mixed up in your bag and you draw from them blind, and so uh, so you might have powers, but you can't always some powers you could always consider or abilities or skills or you could always consider the being able to do, um, but others you know require that rune and sometimes you know if you have other runes that you could tag onto them you could. Um, you could amplify or extend or, or it's hard to describe. When I talked to the fellows, I went to, to actually to, when I went to buy the books, uh, the fellow I mentioned having played it and he said, yeah, the really, it is, um, it is very difficult to learn to play the game. He said from reading the books, which I thought was a very fascinating thing to fess up to. Um, so it is uh, anyway, I heartily uh, is a great game system. It's a wonderful game to play. Uh, it it is a probably one of the few games that that mechanics combine with the narrative and they work together in a way that I've not ever seen in another RPG. But I also know I'll probably never ever ever get to run this game, and I'll probably never play this game other than maybe at convention. So. Uh, that's a sad part. So I, I spent, I don't know, 150 bucks for two books and just sit on my shelf. And I'll read through occasionally because the art's amazing. Um, but anywho, um, wow, it's crazy. It's good. And, and that night, there's a zine makers hangout, uh, Zach Goins of, uh, of uh, World of Game Design. He uh, uh, threw out some pizza and we uh, had a good time, so it was a good time to hang out with people. Um, very enjoyable. Very, 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 uh, uh, <laughs> uh, very enjoyable. Um, the uh, so Saturday, Trevor Stamper uh, had um, and it's called Earth Crawl, and it is a uh, it's a um, to mutant crawl classic sci-fi um, setting that he's got. Um, that was my number two choice. Uh, that that one was uh, Lou Alou and Trevor. Those were the two high, two high things I picked, and I got in on on that game. It was he was he was kind of the well. The idea is like some of the other sci-fi's where um, you know people in orbit. Um, high science, um, but also politically messed up, uh, sending people down to a ruined earth to, to harvest parts and, and salvage uh, components and dealing with a, a mutated earth. So there's, uh, so the, what he was wanting is a, a, I would say a lot of ways like a board game mechanic where um, the idea is characters going in and, and having, um, uh, trying through and determining where they're going to go, um, and seeing what things they find, what what troubles they pick up through their trying to find salvage, the doing of the salvage, and trying to return uh, without um, uh, without losing characters. So, uh, 
Um, the he also has a was wanting to try out the uh, the card system where um, the characters would draw cards in certain areas and they would provide uh, visual or sensory clues, but they would also indicate um, kind of randomize even things that were happening. So, um, which was good. And uh, it was fun uh, being part of the play test um, and uh, going through that. Uh, he's got a very solid game on his hand, um, which is pretty exciting. He, um, uh, not a lot to say, um, but it'll be, It'll be coming out eventually. He's been uh, been hitting the uh, Kickstarter or Kickstarter, see so the conventions, playtesting, and revising. So uh, it'll be interesting to see how that winds up. And so Saturday afternoon, I determined that I was not, so I, I've used to do three sessions a day, and uh, I would swear myself out. This time around, I decided I want to do two sessions a day. And just ensure I can be in bed by 10 o'clock. <laughs> uh, generally, bed by 10 o'clock. Uh, the, so, but then I realized, man, I'm missing out all these people in the convention center, uh, convention center, the uh, exhibitors hall that I want to talk to. There's been a number of people that I want to spend some time with, uh, which I haven't really been able to. And I was hoping that I, I canceled my second game. Um, I canceled my second game on Saturday ahead of time, well ahead of time. And I was like, you know what? Once I'm done with Trevor's Earth Crawl, I'm just going to I'm just gonna just go hang out and find um, a few people that I just want to spend some time with and, and talk with and hang out and, and and just chill at the visitor or at the exhibitor hall. The but I had uh, Zach Goins uh, came up to me while I was walking out. Say, what are you doing right now? Blah blah blah. And he's like, hey, I got a game of Octon Cthulhu 2D20. Um, are you interested in playing? I got an opening at the table. So like, well, I'm going to say no. I'm not going to say no to playing Octon Cthulhu 2D20, which I've never played before, and I'm never going to say no to Zach Goins uh, running a game. So I've never been in a Zach Goins game. Is that true? Yeah, I've never been in a Zach Goins game. But I also knew that I will never turn down an opportunity to go into a Zach Goins game, especially being invited by Zach Goins. So um, anywho, I... Uh, I I didn't realize there'd be so many people at the table. I thought maybe he was just short on people, uh, but no. Really, what's happening? I think there might have been there might have been seven or eight of us. So it wasn't like oh, you know, I got two people. I really need three. It was like no, I had eight people. One person came out. You want to join? So uh, uh, so mechanics wise, uh, the game was was fun. Probably not as is a little more uh, loosey goosey than I would like, except I just ordered, I just ordered uh, the books from uh, Modifius uh, due to their uh, the Thanksgiving sale. So, but uh, but man, uh, Zach didn't disappoint. Great game, but the fascinating thing, the absolutely mind blowing bonkers thing about that game was there was four women uh, there. And those four women were all, uh, they were all, um, they're, they're all, their tie is they're all workmates. And to make it more unusual, I'm not sure which 
industry they're in. I, 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 it might be real estate. I don't. I couldn't tell, but I will assume real estate. But I may be wrong. They were um, their work had had um, bought an Airbnb or bought had rented, brought them there, all expenses paid, weekend to play in uh, to play game con to play role playing games. The women range, I would say, from maybe late 20s to um, maybe early 40s. Um, some, you know, one dressed the nines, uh, some not. But, I mean, it was, a, it was kind of interesting to, to see the dynamic. Um, their first game was, was, was uh, Octon Cthulhu 2D20. Uh, and... Um, very apologetic. They were actually apologetic about the whole thing, and and the rest of us were like, you know, like no, we're we're, we're happy to have. Uh, and it was interesting to see, um, you know, them come to uh, interface with uh, a role playing game for the first time, and how really, you know, Zach, you know, Zach did an absolutely great job. Uh, the rest of us tried to make sure that. You know, they had uh, plenty of opportunities to to drive decisions and drive action, and to do stuff. Um, and uh, and uh, it was absolutely uh, a joy to to see uh, them uh, enjoy. And you know, we're talking about a demographic that you know in our my day, our day. <laughs> Those of you out there, same age as me. Uh, this would never have happened. And here we have people who are, uh, yeah. I just it was it was it was absolutely amazing. So anyway, uh, the women all absolutely had a great time. Uh, brought out candy and uh, had a bunch of candy bars and such. They they threw on the table and we all had a, had an absolute uh, riotous time as uh, I guess punching Nazis and uh, solving mysteries and not dying. So anyhow, uh, I guess in my mind this goes to show that we geeks and nerds are winning. So. Um, <laughs> <laughs> my mind's still blown. So, uh, last but not least, uh, the the uh, toward the not the last thing. I had a panel with Zach earlier that later that night. But the 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 the, the really the highlight, uh, well, not the highlight, but the the main thing of the evening was da- uh, dinner with um, with Travis Miller. So, Travis has been podcast. Uh, he's written articles and. Um, and occasionally we've chatted, uh, but my goodness. Uh, so we just had dinner together, and then after having dinner together, we walked by in Starbucks and still talking, and then, of course, went to the convention center. Uh, it was cold. Uh, then we also got a convention center, and then we uh, then talked some more. And uh, it was, um, it, yeah, and some of the things we talked about, I mean, it, it was, you know, game things, life things. I, I can't remember all the things that, that we talked about, but one of the things I mentioned was how I really just feel in many ways that with society and people that I just don't fit in. Um, I don't think that anybody's being, you know, exclusionary. It's just, um, 
I do not feel like with like at work I've got you know coworkers are fine we have we have a good time we laugh we we, we joke around do stuff uh, it's not that I I feel antisocial but I just in general I don't feel like I fit in um, and I don't necessarily feel uh, like left out and sad it's just it kind of it is a little bit bewildering. And except for when it comes to uh, people like uh, Travis and and I say Trevor and Zach and all the people who are uh, in this creative space, with these people, I feel the opposite. And uh, even though I don't make a, an effort to to um, to regularly be in touch, uh, whenever we talk, it's it. There's not been any time that's passed. It's things are picked up right where they left off. Um, as you mentioned, I think with, um, I, I also, as I'm getting older, I think I find myself, uh, with, especially with work being more direct. And, um, so sometimes I reach out to people, a lot of times I'm very direct, like, Hey, this or that, or this or that, I'm looking for this, or, Hey, can you help me with that? Without going through the, the niceties of, of, you know, Hey, how's your day? How's it going? And in fact, one of the times I was contacting somebody, I, I, I went through, through that. Um, and then later on that person, uh, contacted me with just a very direct out of the blue question. I realized, you know what, uh, all those little niceties we don't need. We, we, we're, we're in tune. There's no, uh, feeling like the other, uh, is not like emotionally in touch or, or whatever. So, which I relate that to, to, um, uh, Travis, and uh, he, um, yeah, he talked about this quote from Timothy Leary. So that that the, the, the phrase really is uh, "find the others." I went and looked up the quote. Uh, it, it, I like most of it. The problem is there's a little bit of condescension. Condescension. Condes- uh, is condescending uh, to a certain point in some of his delivery. But the general message, he's, I'll, I'll just uh, I'll abbreviate it and take out some words. But he says, admit it, you aren't like them. You're not even close. You may dress yourself up as one of them, watch the same television shows they do, maybe eat the same fast food they do. But it seems that the more that you try to fit in, the more you feel like an outsider, watching normal people as they go about their existences. And then he says... Um, and he talks about how connecting with certain people, you can learn certain aspects. And he says, um, he says, nobody comes into your life by mere coincidence. Trust your instincts, do the unexpected, and it follows up with find the others. And the idea is, um, you know, we it's easy to look around and say that we don't fit in with this group or that group, or I don't necessarily fit in um with people at work, or I don't necessarily fit in with certain family members, or I don't fit in uh, at church, or I don't fit in. And I think that's the other thing is, you know, that it's it's like the church is probably a place I feel like a person should automatically feel the most uh, um, part of community, but it's probably the place that I feel the most alone. Uh, it was what I shared with them, and I I find that interesting um, why that is, and um, nah. Financing why it is, it just perplexes me, and so I, I, I don't understand, and so. But after 
you know, looking at this quote, the idea is find the others. And, um, and there are others. And I realize now that there are people, I think the others like me, we do not, um, we're not good about uh, intentionally contacting each other. So uh, I, I did make a, a commitment to myself uh, that I still haven't done. But I think from these, from, for some of the others, at least people I've identified as others, I, I need to make a regular time of contacting them. Uh, it's easy for me to get in my uh, mode of my mode of, um, of of getting ready for the next Kickstarter, or my mode of of you know doing different duties, doing different things, um, but leaving aside the uh, connecting with others, and I think that's important. And and we are out there, and so um, and it just may take work to to make those connections. And I find that it's one of the reasons I've done the podcast is. The, Pretty sure is that it has been a means for me to uh, find like not necessarily just find others, but uh, probably engage in conversations that I find interesting uh, that I don't get elsewhere. Um, so, from 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 Kickstarters to to uh, game philosophy to uh, supply chain to uh, random nerd nonsense, uh, it's it's hard to find people uh, that you can just. Uh, discuss and thoughts and uh, work things out. So anyhow, I will encourage you ending this. I'm not sure how long I've been been talking, but uh, for you as well to uh, admit it, you're not like them. Most people around you, you're not even close. And I, you need to find the others. So anyway, good luck doing that. And uh, until next time, take care. <laughs>